We're sorry for all the things we've made it. Because really, God, it's all about you. Let us pray. Holy One, your spirit has been with us all morning. And so we now dive into the deepness which your spirit offers. And I ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts might rise up to meet you and that you will be pleased. Amen. You might wonder why it would be necessary when we are actually here for this thing we call worship to talk about it further. I mean, what really is the point, you might argue, because we're here, it's what we're doing. Some would argue that it actually is limiting to put a definition on worship, to somehow put it into a form of some kind, because then you might really miss something very important, while others would argue that you really must put something around it so that we all understand and have a chance to experience because we have defined it together. And some would argue that that also might cause us to miss something. And so here we are, gathered all together today in the room with our many notions about what worship really is. In fact, if I were to go around the room and interview all of you, I suspect if I asked the question, what does worship mean to you or what do you think worship is, we would get as many definitions as we have people sitting here. There would be things like, well, worship to me are the songs we sing. Worship to me is the prayers we pray. Some would say, well, worship to me is the liturgy that we speak and that we use. Some would say, well, worship to me is communion. Some would say it is mystical. It's a mystical experience. So we would have many different answers to the question about what is worship. What I'd like to invite you to do is to listen to that list I just gave you. And there are many other things we could add to the list. And I'd like to invite you to be aware that that list is a list of activities. And that would beg the question, is it activities we do and we call it worship? Or do we utilize and engage those activities so that we might actually be involved and engaged in the act of worship? This is the piece that probably will rub us a little. This is the piece that will challenge us a little because many of us, no matter where you come from in your religious experience, many of us believe and have done the activities so long that we may have forgotten why we were doing the activity in the first place. And so I want to invite us all to just make fun of ourselves this morning, okay? And if you don't feel like making fun of yourself, I'll give you permission to make fun of the rest of us. Because we've maybe come to a place where we have simply forgotten if we ever knew. What does it really mean when we worship? Well, I've been collecting some quotes. Let me get my paper because I have them here. They're going to be on the screen. I want you to think about them. I've heard some people say, by the third song, I was really worshiping. <laughs> Makes me wonder who or what you were worshiping before the third song. 
I've heard some people say, well, worship gets me to the place where I don't have to think about anything. And I'm wondering why you're not thinking about God. Some have said with only 20 minutes, we really don't have time to worship. So do we have to warm up to worship God? This is my favorite. Lily is doing worship this morning. I'm wondering what the rest of you are doing. (laughs) Or a variation, I really love your worship. I wonder and hope that you are worshiping too and not just watching someone else. And then I've heard people say, well, that song really made worship hard for me. My question is, are you sure it was the song that made it hard? Or is it something inside you? And my favorite, I was offended when you called God mother. My question is, was God offended? You see, it's unfortunate, but it's just like the song we just heard. As humans, our propensity is to make everything about us. It is our human tendency to even make worship about us. It's our world of worship and welcome to it. And so we forget that actually worship is about God. And so God, we're sorry for the things we've made it when really it's all about you, God. Our gospel reading this morning from Matthew is just a very short little snippet. It's an interesting little passage because we pick up a spot in the scripture where Jesus has directed the disciples to go to a mountain and he promises to meet them there. And when they arrive, Jesus is indeed there. And what the scripture verse says is that some, when they encountered Jesus, fell to their knees immediately and began to worship. And others, it says, held back because they were afraid to risk giving themselves completely. Does that sound a little bit to you like what we do here on Sunday every week? God has directed us to come to this place, and God has promised to meet us here. And for some of us, when we come in the door, we immediately recognize God, and we fall to our knees and worship. And others of us back away. And we say, I don't know if I am ready to give myself completely to God. You see, God has already said, I'll be here. And so, really, worship is not about us, but it does indeed require something from us. And so I want to ask you to consider seeing worship in this way. This was written by a bishop in the Church of England in the mid-20th century. I want you to read it with me. And let's start to let it be in our bones. Worship is the submission of all our nature to God. 
It is the quickening of conscience by God's holiness, the nourishment of mind with God's truth, the purifying of imagination by God's beauty, the opening to heart to God's love, the surrender of will to God's purpose, and all of this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable. Do you see in that reading that when whatever we bring of ourselves into the presence of God, it is made larger, it is made more vivid, it is made more rich. But perhaps that last part is the part we need to hear. We gather all of that up. We gather all of us up. And we express the most selfless emotion that our nature is capable of. And that is adoration. To simply adore the God of our creation. This is worship. And it's not about us. It's all about God. But it does, my friends, require something of us. It's not about us, but it does require something of us. And so I'd like for you to think about it as a story. It's our worship story. And you have to understand that this week as I was preparing to preach, um, it felt like to me there were probably four sermons here, at least two, and I had to come up with one. And the at least two is that I believe with all my heart that we have moments of worship throughout our days, throughout our hours, throughout our lives. That that doesn't happen just when we gather here in this room. And so we could talk about the worship of our individual lives. But today I'm going to choose to focus on the worship of us together as a corporate body as a body that comes into this place each week to worship. And what does it require of us if we are indeed going to adore the one who loves us and has created us? So it's a story. It's our story. First of all, it's a love story. It's a love story about how we adore God and God adores us. Think of it like this video. Thank you. 
did you see the split screen? Where one screen is one person who is in New York and the other is the one they love who is in Paris. And how the movement through their days somehow are so similar. And so I think that's the way it is in our love story with God, is there's a little bit of a split screen. Where over here, you and I go through our days. And we think about God perhaps from time to time. And we imagine how God may be working in our lives. And then over here in the other screen, there is God who is also walking with us through our days. And who's right there, maybe seeing it just a little bit differently than we do. And all the way, God is just waiting for you and I to reach through the split screen and be aware that God is there in our life. And see, when we have that kind of reach and that kind of love story with God, then we can do nothing else but express our adoration. Because that God is not on a split screen off up out there somewhere, but is walking right in with us through our days. So it's a love story. That's part of our worship. It's also an unfinished story. If you'll look at this image, this is done by a very famous photographer, and what he does is he meticulously sets up scenes that he then photographs. And all of them leave us with a sense of something being unfinished. Because if you look at this image, you can make up lots of stories, can't you? Because we don't really know what happened before or what happened after. We can only make up what's happening right here and right now. You know, when you and I come to worship on Sunday, we all bring an unfinished story. And when you come into this room, I don't know what has just happened to you. And when you leave, I probably won't know what happens after that. But when we come into this place together, we actually engage God by saying, I am unfinished. I am an unfinished story. And I know that if I can somehow give God my unfinished story, that God will help me in the process of finishing it. And when God helps me that way, then I can do nothing but express my adoration. This is also another kind of story. It's a multidimensional story. So it looks like this, and it's probably the thing that's most challenging for us. When we come to worship, God is here. Then you and I show up. And then all of our stuff shows up with us. So we have multidimensional things happening every time we come together to do this thing we call worship. And I don't know about you, but I am challenged sometimes by your stuff. And I'm confident that you're challenged sometimes by mine. And sometimes I'm so challenged that I get distracted about why I'm here. I'm not here for your stuff. You're not here for mine. We're here in a multidimensional way. 
looking to step into the spirit that is around us because God said God would be here and to take all of our stuff and know that in these minutes our stuff is put aside so that we can think about what God has done for us and when that happens I can do nothing but express my adoration but if I get tangled up in your stuff the adoration goes away our worship then is also a story of transformation did you hear the scripture that some held back because they couldn't risk giving themselves completely to the worship of God well it is risky business isn't it when we say I am just going to surrender myself you know there is a reason that surrender is the first step of every recovery program because it is a step toward understanding that someone else who is greater than we are can hold us and it is a risk and we still trust it you know what if we were focused on that kind of surrender when we gather together all the other stuff that seems to bother us would quit bothering us look at this image you see we come sometimes shackled a bit and it's hard for us to open up but if we can just start transformation begins the process of being changed and reformed begins you see, when I surrender, when I surrender myself to that kind of transformation, I surrender myself, all that I am and all that I'm not, to be with God in this place, even if for a moment. My friends, you know what happens? We come away and we're never the same again. You cannot enter into the presence of God you cannot look God in the face you cannot feel the movement of the Spirit in you and come away unchanged it will forever change you and if we are a people together who worship like that and we come away a little bit changed every week then we make a difference in this world then our stuff begins to heal then our relationships to each other improve and then we come back again after a week and say well I need to do some more of that I need to meet God there I need to be willing to be a little bit more open this week and surrender myself a little bit more because if I do I will never ever be the same so that's our story of worship and what is the moral of the story? You know, every really good story has a moral, right? Well, the moral of the story is together in worship each week, we'll continue to come to the table and eat bread and drink from the cup. We'll continue to use the symbols of our faith as a reminder. This one, a reminder of Jesus who died for everything he believed in. We'll continue to use the scripture and other sacred texts so that we can learn. 
We'll continue to engage in prayer and the anointing of one another with oil. And we'll continue to sing and play our instruments and invite the Shekinah glory in. And, my friends, these are all activities. These are all ways. These are all tools through which we can find our way into the presence of God. And the mistake we can make, and so here's the moral of the story, is that we begin to worship these things and these activities and forget that we're here to worship and adore the God who created us and loves us. And when we begin to worship these things, these activities, then it becomes us, and it becomes about us eventually. So our surrender is important, and it can change us forever. About five years ago was the first time that I met Natasha Holmes. It was in Hawaii at an MCC regional conference, and one of the nights of worship at the conference, um, our young adults did the entire service. Now, as an elder in this denomination, I rarely get to sit through a whole worship service because they usually have me doing something. So this was a night where I just, because I was not a young adult, you got that right. So I, I just sat and worshiped. And Natasha sang the opening song, sitting at the piano much like she was today. And the minute she started to sing, I felt that something had just taken me up. And I resisted it for all I was worth because I wasn't quite sure where getting taken up was going to take me. It was a risk to go with it. But I just sort of urged myself to do what I knew I needed to do and just to go with it. Now, the short story is, through the process of that service, being in the presence of God, being in the presence of these incredibly gifted and talented young people, I knew that I was going to come out of that service forever changed. And this is how I was changed. I knew that as an elder in this denomination, I had to do something that was going to lift up a new generation of spiritual activists. I knew that I needed to somehow support these young people in my position so that they have a way forward to be the future of our church. I knew that as a person who has four generations of my family in, in MCC, my grandparents, my father, me, and now my daughter, that if we do not give it over to them and help them, there will be no church, no place to worship like we do. Now, this is what God was doing with me. And I want to tell you, in the five years that have ensued, God won't let me go. You know why? Because I was forever changed because I went with it. Now, I don't go with it every time. I want you to hear that. This is not, okay, th this is not a, you know, brag on Lily moment at all. Maybe the real truth is that it's rare. But this was a time when the surrender was enough that God got hold of me 
not because I asked or I was making it all about me, but actually because I just wanted to be in the presence of God. You know, my friends, the prayer that I want to pray this morning, looking you in the eye, is that you and I will begin to worship in such a way together that we never again have to say, I'm sorry for the way I've made it. I will never again have to say anything other than it's all about you, God. I hope we'll never have to say, if you'd sung a different song or prayed a different prayer or preached a different sermon, then I could have worshipped. I hope our unfinished story will come here fully vulnerable and fully open to the presence of God who will change us forever and all the rest will fall away. God will work it out. I'm sorry. We're sorry for the things we've made it. So let's start now making it about God. That is my deep, deep, Amen.